You are now listening to the smooth sounds of Love Atiyah. Ciao, beautiful souls. My name's Atiyah, and I am your future bestie in your head. I am a sex-positive animal activist. I grew up in Queens, New York, and was homeschooled slash unschooled for about 12 years. I was a virgin until I was 24 and attempted to have a whole phase for two years, which eventually led me to being accidentally slash intentionally celibate. And here we are today. My past left me with a lot of wild stories, a lot of lessons, and a hell of a lot of trauma. Thank God for my wicked sense of humor because God only knows I would have perished by now. With that being said, this is your gentle reminder that the Love Atiyah experience was created as a safe space for me to reflect and share the lessons that I've learned from past traumas. Shit gets real on this podcast in topics such as domestic violence, sexual assault, substance abuse, depression, anxiety, and suicide may be referenced. If you are working through feeling triggered by certain topics, this may not be the show for you right now, and that's okay. Healing takes time and isn't linear. I'll be here when you're ready. Now, without further ado, the Lovatia experience is an experience. So get ready for laughs, crazy story times, and life-changing pleasure tips here on the Lovatia Experience Podcast. Hello there, beautiful soul. It's your girl Lovatia, and welcome to the Lovatia Experience. Now, before we dive into this amazing episode that is coming up, I just have to invite you to a very special event that I have planned for Masturbation May, aka Self Pleasure May. I am going to be hosting a co-ed slumber party for all of my patrons. Now, if you're not sure what a patron is or what Patreon is, it's basically a special space for people who enjoy my podcast to come and support me and be able to create and curate relationships with you all that I'm not able to create while I'm on social media being overwhelmed by the major amount of DMs that I get or just being able to really create a safe community for everyone to be able to meet each other and then get to know me better as well. I have exclusive content for the highest tier which is my love makers i have some piping hot tea shit that i can't stand this podcast literally goes on to be posted for my love makers i have my first kiss tier where you get to read my diary entries and literally learn all of the inner thoughts and makings that i have in my head i have the middle tier which i believe is the makeout tier and that's the one where we get to ask each other advice and just have real conversations and really be able to get to know each other and then i have my free tier for those of you who may not be able to afford a monthly payment right now but still want to support that has been created for you all now everyone is invited to this co-ed sleepover i am super 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 excited i have guidelines to make sure that it stays appropriate and fun okay but we will literally be having a virtual slumber party with each other and the only way that you can join is if you are a patron so if you want all the extra perks feel free to join one of the paid patreon tiers where you will be able to once again support my channel and support me and then if you want to do a free tier that is totally beautiful as well i just want to be able to make sure that i can see your beautiful faces now just a note if you want to chat and talk and have one-on-one conversations, that is only for the paid Patreon members. Head to Patreon if you would like to support me, if you want to join me on this amazing magical journey. And there's a place for you to be able to donate to my sex tech startup as well. So click the link in my description. You do not want to miss all the amazing fun that we are about to have on the sleepover for Masturbation May. I love y'all so, 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 so much. And get ready to enjoy an amazing freaking episode starting now hello beautiful souls and welcome to the love it experience <laughs> today we have the illustrious i literally googled that word because i have to find the perfect word for you the illustrious <laughs> serial nadine 
from the Sober Butterfly podcast. Welcome, baby. Thank you for having me. It's so funny that you use the word illustrious because I went to FAMU, Florida A&M, a historically black college, and we were so extra with our greetings. Like we have to introduce ourselves. Like my name is Nadine and I come from, I would always use the word illustrious um, city of Fort Lauderdale. So like, that's a really funny word that you use to describe me. So thank you. <laughs> I love the connection. How are you doing today? I'm great um as you referenced um mercury is in retrograde and i'm feeling it <laughs> with the tech on my end but i'm happy to be here and you are such a beautiful soul so i'm really excited to get into everything we're going to talk about today thank you so so much i'm so excited you two are such a beautiful soul and i actually wanted to tell the audience how we met and i can tell my recollection and if you have any changes that you need to make with like my recollection feel free um we met at a, a podcast conference and it was in orlando and when i saw nadine you literally just, I thought you were a celebrity speaker, to be honest with you. Like, I literally was like, who is she? Like, I literally, in my head, no, she, you, y'all, if you're looking on video, like, she has some essence about her that just gives, like, confident, unapologetic, successful as fuck. Like, um, just, I don't know, just everything well-rounded, like, heels, everything is just, I, I feel Aww. like from you. Yeah, seriously, so. I so appreciate that. I mean, it took a long, long, hard journey to get to that place when you met me a year ago. Um, which I'm sure we'll get into all of that, but I'm so glad that I exude this confidence that you were that you're referring to. So thank you. And right back at you, like I felt like energetically you are magnetizing, and I was just like, because we kept running into each other. So absolutely everything you shared is correct. Like we met at a podcasting conference, and there were a few of us. And when I say us, I'm air quoting like us in terms of like black people. Yeah. And so I felt like I kept seeing you, but like and like we make eye contact, but like we would get like derailed. Like we never had a chance to really like connect until like the final moments of the podcast. And then we basically had this romance of sending um, voice memos back and forth for a while. So <laughs> I'm just so glad that I got to meet you finally and connect and here we are, to here we are today. So happy. Absolutely. I feel the same exact way. <laughs> I had to confess to Nadine earlier, like she sent me a 10 minute voice note and I literally... <laughs> was like, and that's what we did, right? Like I sent you a 10 minute voice. Or I sent you like a really long voice note when I first heard your podcast, like I could relate so much. And then I lost it. Like what happened was I went through my contacts and I was deleting like names that I just didn't recognize, but I was just going too fast. So, and this is like right after the conference. So ended up, I guess, deleting your name. I'm so sorry. And then, then I text you because like, you had your, your number on the Zoom, I mean, on the link to sign up and the whole messages are right there in my phone. No, I need you to understand. I went all the way down to like, 2022 and was looking through every single message trying to figure out like where it, I knew it was there anyways we're back I we're gonna blame the retrograde it was probably retrograde then yeah <laughs> now it's always mercury's always in retrograde at some point in life <laughs> well I'm glad you have my number again let's not lose it yes. please don't delete me no I, <laughs> I, guess. I won't I promise you are embedded in my mind and my heart forever <laughs> Perfect. Right back at you. Thank you. So I have some icebreakers that I wanted oh. to dive into. Okay, let's do it. Yes. Okay. So this is this is a random one, but if you could sleep with any celebrity, who would it be? Woo. Okay, you went there. Um, <laughs> I feel like I have to go with my gut instinct, and it's a little basic, but the first person I thought of was Michael B. Michael B. Jordan. I mean, like, what? How could you go wrong? He is a tall medium dark drink of chocolate like sign me up sign me up and I didn't watch the wire but I've seen earlier like 
clips of him from The Wire. And I don't think he's had work done, but he's definitely grown into maybe his jaw. Like, there was definitely, like, a disconnect between old Michael B and, like, today Michael B. Um, So, I don't know. Like, I feel like he's age-appropriate for me in my early 30s. I think he's a little bit older than me, but, like, I just feel like what could... How could you go wrong? Like, Michael B. Jordan. Creed? Creed? Hello, Creed. Thank you. Just shirtless, buff, sweaty, like... Yes. And he, he also just has this like masculine, like very masculine energy to him. So that's probably another appealing or alluring quality that I like. I'm finding out more and more about my type. And if you put, I always like to joke, if you put all my exes, ex-boyfriends, ex-situationship, ex-situationships, ex-lovers in a room, like it would be very confusing. Everyone would be like, wait, why are you here? Why are you here? Um, but I think I'm growing into more of a, a type also. Okay. And so he probably represents that. Okay. And ironically, before you even answered in my head, that was going to be my person, but also oh. that's who I thought your person was going to be. Like, I don't, maybe- Are you serious? I swear to everything I love in my head when you were like, um, and I'm like, is she saying Michael? Like, I swear. No, really. I'm probably saying- crazy. That is crazy. It's not like I'm sitting here thinking about Michael B. Jordan, but like, if, if you ask me, like, I mean, I guess that's who I would say for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, I, and as an, wait, sorry, as an added yeah. bonus, cherry on top, he likes black girls. What, what, what could go wrong? Because I feel like I've had other, well, Lori, Harvey, right? That was one. Do you know oh. any others? <laughs> I feel like he's kind of private, though. I would, I, I mean, I don't know. At least we can say that there was one. Was there was one. one. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. I may have a shot. May, I'm not comparing myself to Lori by any means, by any standard. But I'm just saying, like, if, if, if Lori, why not me, you know? Yeah, no, same same caliber. If not, you're higher. No, no ah. shaming, but just I'm just saying, have you seen yourself? So yes, absolutely. <laughs> Hilarious. So you also would go for Michael? I would go for Michael. Um, I've just had a crush on him for so long. I did watch The Wire, only his season, but it actually was more so for Tristan Wilde, aka Mac Wilde. Oh yeah, yeah. I I know Mac Wilde from Gossip Girl. That was my reference to him. Oh, see, I yeah, fallen out of love with him by then, so I didn't. Really yeah. yeah, he was in later seasons of Gossip Girl, and I was like, yes, they finally put a black man on the show. So yeah, he's <laughs> cute. He's cute too. And then I met him in person, and then it was just like, okay, crush gone. Like you know, oh, we're gonna talk about limerence because I learned oh. from you, but I had yes. severe limerence when it came to. Mac Wilde and also Michael B. Jordan because when Michael B. got with Lori Harvey, I was like actually literally sad. Like I was actually crying on TikTok. Mm. I was quite about it. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's like oh, she she took another one. Uh, and then when after Damson Idris, like I can't. Take, there's no one left. I can't. Take there's it. no one left. I mean, I'm no one's safe from Lori. Let's be oh. real. <laughs> I'm not even mad. No, dude, at least I'll just live vicariously through her and call it a day. Like, whatever. Thank you. <laughs> I might need to talk about this in therapy, though, because I get a little, like, heated when I talk about her. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I get it. Trust me. I get it. Okay, this next question is a little bit more risque, and it's, what's your favorite part about foreplay? Okay, I see what you do. My old medium and next one's gonna be real spicy. Okay. Um, what is what's my feelings, my sentiments about foreplay? Foreplay is crucial, it's essential. I don't want to go further in any situation where, you know, we're being 
romantic or we're getting sexy, whatever you want to call it, if there's no foreplay. And I have bypassed foreplay in the past and always regretted it because I feel like the connection, the intercourse piece is just not the same. In fact, if you asked me, which I prefer intercourse versus foreplay, I'd choose foreplay every time because I feel like for me, foreplay, right? It's just like, it gets me there. It's going to get me to that place where I'm like, oh, now I want, actually want you inside of me. So yeah, foreplay is just a non-negotiable that I feel like so many men in particular don't pay enough attention to. And so we as women, we kind of have to model for them like what we're looking for. And I just don't think anyone should skip over or gloss over foreplay. I completely freaking agree. I have the same sentiments. I, if I could just do foreplay, that's fine with me. Do you have a favorite part of foreplay? Yes, I do. So for me, foreplay, I love to kiss. I mean, this is a little PJ, but I'll get there. So for me, kissing is, no, I'm so serious. Kissing is like really, really important. It might be one of the most important staples in terms of a connection for me. And so if you're not a good kisser, it just immediately makes me feel like you're not going to be a good lover. Mm -hmm. So kissing is important because also there's levels to kissing, right? Like you have to be able to read the other person. So some people just have their generic, like, oh, this is my move. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bite your lip. I'm going to stick my tongue down your throat. And it's like, read the room. Like we're not there yet. Like, right. You have to know like what my lips are doing. I have to match your energy, your lips. So I feel like kissing is probably like crucial. And then building on that momentum, okay, now we're kissing, we're in a groove, we have a flow. Next thing for me would definitely be like, okay, we're going to start touching. We're gonna, you're going to like explore my body, not just shove your hand down my pants. Like I need you to like explore other crevices, like, right? Like, oh, do you like this? Do you like that? Um, stroking is nice. I don't like when people touch my hair, like that's period across oh, the board. Seriously. I know it's a big... I, I, for me, it's just like, I don't want you to mess it up. I wear my hair in different styles, but no matter what, like, are you going to fix my hair for me afterwards? Probably not. Right. So like, just don't touch it. I know people are into that, but like, I personally am not. That's almost like a turn off for me when people just go for my hair. Oh, but here's the thing. It's I'm a hypocrite because I like to play in other people's hair. So, you know, I'm just gonna be honest. I, I'm, a, I'm self-aware. Yes. Um, and then I would definitely say um, oral sex is really important for me too. I like to build that momentum. So like kissing, then touching, groping, um, and then probably like, you know, definitely oral sex, I would say would come next on the hierarchy for me. Um, can you can you eat that kitty cat properly? Like, that's important to me. Do you expect me to just suck your dick? And if that's the case, then I'm not into that. Like, it's not that I'm not into sucking dick, but like, I don't like when people... I feel like if you want that, if you want me to give you oral sex, then you should also model and like set the chain of events off. Because for me, I'm not always giving oral sex every time I'm having sex with someone. So if that's the expectation or if that's what we want to do, then I need you to kind of lead that. So yeah, that's probably like my three big ones. I love that. I agree with everything. Once again, like I laugh with kiss kissing because that's me. Like, you know, I was a virgin for 24 years. So all I did for majority of my time was kiss. We kissed for like three hours. Maybe I'd get like a little finger here and there or like some nipple stuff. I don't know. But like kissing is my shit to this day. And I feel like ever since like I started having sex, I haven't been kissing as much as I used mm. to. Like we're the three hour makeout sessions. Like so I can have I you. need that. I can I've never done three hours. I but I've kissed someone so long that my lip has swollen. 
like I literally looked like duck lips like I had injectables like it was like the next day like I was sending pictures to my friends like icing my lip and everyone was laughing at me I was like no like we kissed for hours I don't know how long but a very long time oh my god same here literally I had to like ice get my ice from like a bodega one time like walk around with it and just yeah it was and it hurts like nobody talks about it hurts it. It oh hurts. no it hurts yes yeah oh my god okay and my third question is gonna be what was your best orgasm ever and what made it so amazing or have you had like that bomb experience yet yeah so we'll probably talk more about this in depth but I've definitely had amazing orgasms but more recently in life and it has been from getting sober so prior to me getting sober two and a half years ago I realized I had never had sex for the first time with someone without the influence of a drug or alcohol so I thought I was having orgasms but in retrospect was I like I don't think I actually was so more recently I was telling you behind the scenes but I was in a relationship my first like real sober relationship and my partner was also sober and we had the most amazing sex and it was because I think we connected on a deeper level without the need to um, self-medicate which is what I was doing before I think I felt uncomfortable in my body before I felt I think I felt like I needed to drink to connect with someone I also think that I was using alcohol in an unhealthy way in many aspects but like in regards to sex it was this idea that like I probably wasn't ready to have sex with that person but because I was under the influence of something it just made it easy um but the sex wasn't great usually um and even the times I thought it was sex like I referenced I don't think it was all that because I can't even really remember it mm -hmm. so I say all that to say like more recently since getting sober, I've had amazing orgasms. I've cried, like literally shed tears because wow. I'm just like, wow, this is just like an out of body experience. Like wow. I feel like I'm being transcended and my spirit is matching or meeting someone else. And that's just such a beautiful thing. So yes, I've had incredible orgasms. And if you would ask me before, I probably would have been like, yeah, like I have orgasm, I orgasm. But like so many women don't. And I think I was a part of that, like, don't crew like maybe I'd orgasmed before or stopped myself because I was afraid of what was going to happen like right on the precipice of yeah. that feeling it's almost like sometimes at least for me it was like oh I think am I gonna pee <laughs> so I'd stop I'd like draw back but um no girl you're about to orgasm but like you don't feel comfortable with this person um because you don't even know them like that or feel real connected to them like that so therefore you stop yourself and that inhibition has been released since getting sober Ow. Oh my God, that makes my heart so happy. Like I just wish beautiful orgasms for the world. So I'm so happy that it happened. <laughs> the fact that it was sober sex, like in my first, um, no, my third episode, I talked about how my best sexual experience and like the first penetrative orgasm that I can remember was when I was sober and my partner was sober as well. So yeah, yeah, it definitely makes a freaking difference. I definitely want to dive back into that but I also just want to like I guess introduce the audience more to just who you are what your journey has been and then we can dive into like incorporating sober sex into that as well but what has your journey been thus far in your sobriety journey yeah so as a sober lifestyle um, creator influencer I definitely dive into different parts of what the sobriety landscape can look like in regards to my love life, like I'm a hopeless romantic. I always have been, but I used to, as mentioned before, use alcohol to mask 
I think parts of myself and force connections with people. And it was just so much easier to do that because I was drinking. And sometimes when you're drinking, you think you're calibrating on a higher level energetically and you're meeting someone on that higher level. But I actually find the inverse to be true. I recognize now that like I was drinking a depressive substance. That's what the category of alcohol is. And I'm thinking I'm making these connections, but in reality, I'm meeting someone at a lower vibration. So the sex was worse. The connection was worse. It was lower. And so I think for me as now a sober educator, lifestyle creator, it's really important for me to showcase not just like the difficult parts of sobriety, because don't get me wrong, like depending on what your relationship is with a substance, it can be really hard to stay sober, but also just showcase the beauty of what life can look like. Um, as a sober person, because I'm not like glamorizing it per se, but I am glamorizing it because it is beautiful and it is amazing to like be able to see the the growth and the progress. So all in all, I think who I am is I'm not just a sober person, but like my sobriety has anchored so many parts of my life in the best way. Um, So yeah, that's pretty much like a little bit of context into who I am. And I realize now that I'm sober, I think age probably plays a role too. Um, But now that I'm sober, I see just like how, even when I reference like my, how my type is changing, I think I'm just becoming more self-aware of who I am and therefore the type of people that I'm attracting or want to attract. And so it's just look, it looks different at this stage in my life. And it's not that I would not ever date or have sex with someone who is not sober like I I welcome everyone right so long as they have a good relationship with themselves and I think to have a good relationship with yourself you have to be able to not lean necessarily on the substance to function and I was definitely leaning on substances to function in my day-to-day I can highly relate I really can you you've definitely following you has made me become more aware of my substance issues like in all different aspects even just like an addiction to tiktok like literally why does my brain just like constantly go to tiktok like i've had to just become like a lot more aware of just myself so thank you for just like all of your transparency online on social media on your podcast yeah and i also want to ask i know you said that you're not opposed to dating someone who's not on who's not sober um who has like a, a healthier i guess relationship with drinking as opposed to like excessive drinking um, and I remember one of your episodes, I forgot where you went. Was it Amsterdam? You went with a friend and- Oh, Berlin. Berlin, Berlin which is like yeah. like, like club party capital of yeah. Europe, yes. And I have some um, I have some other sober friends as well um, who are on this like beautiful journey that I just love to like, once again, just watch and just, I'm just so proud of everyone. Um, but I wanted to ask, I've just always been curious, like when you have friends who might not be sober, like I know you said that your friend was drinking like at the club, is that triggering in any way? Or are you, do you feel like you're at a place where you just handle the triggers if you are triggered? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like sometimes even two and a half years into sobriety, I have those moments. I won't call them triggers per se. It's just like a, oh, like it's almost like it rem- it's a, it's a reminder. It like takes me back. It transports me to a time when I'm like, oh, if I were in this situation, maybe like three years ago, four years ago, um, it would look very different. Right. But it's more self-awareness. It's more like Intel or data for me to be like, yeah, but you can't drink the same way that other people can drink. And even the people that are drinking to excess, um, it's more so like, oh, I don't want to be like that because, because they're sloppy or, um, they're not truly 
functioning in, in their in their best way or in their best light it is I do feel a sense of gratitude because I'm able to care for people and before I got sober, I never would have been the friend that was able to look out for anyone. Like everyone had to look out for me. So it's almost like I feel a sense of service. Um, now, when I go out with people who may have drunk too much, it's never judgment. It's always love. It's always wow. like, I care about you. I do think though, sometimes the dynamic is different because people know I'm sober and it's a big part of like my business and my focus. So like everyone I think is a little bit more cognizant of how much they drink around me, which yeah. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Um, I want you to be cognizant because it's not, cute or healthy for you to be drinking too much but um I think also people assume that I'm judging them and I'm never judging them and I still like to go out and have a good time because I think people think sobriety means that you have to stay home on the Friday night all the time and it's like no I still party I still do things I just don't do it under the influence of anything um so yeah that experience in Berlin though was interesting because there's like a really famous club called Berkheim which is like um it's like Berlin also has a very big like music scene like if you're into EDM or like dance music like electronic dance music it's very much that and so we went to Burakheim which is like the quintessential club right and it's it's like part sex club part music and it was just from a sober standpoint like it was more difficult challenging to be there just because everyone was not just drunk they were under the influence of many things and it was just kind of like I don't know what what's here for me like the music wasn't quite my like style of music that I'm used to. Like, I didn't really feel like I could dance to that kind of music. Um, and then on top of that, everyone's on something. So like, that was not necessarily my scene, but I do still go out and I still have a good time with friends who drink. And for the most part, the friends that I keep in my life right now are very respectful of my sobriety and never try and challenge me. I think the only time I feel uncomfortable is when people try and force they uh, force my hand to like do something like oh are you sure you don't want to drink are you sure you can't handle this and it's like I'm good like worry about yourself yeah that face yeah. you're making is like how I feel when people are uncomfortable with me drinking but it's more a reflection I think of their own um uncomfortability their own issues with whatever they're on and yeah. feeling like oh damn like if she's not doing it does that mean that I have a problem kind of thing yes 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 like just a projection absolutely yeah yeah do you feel like because I'm trying to think like on my journey I know that I have people in my life that are also on have an addiction to certain substances so every time I think like say smoking like I smoke weed I'm like oh yeah like I want to stop smoking weed and then like I'll hear somebody light up and be like oh man like maybe I you know like how like how do you stay grounded basically like yeah so I think in situations like that there's this mantra people places I say, well, it's people, places, things. And I also say ideas as well or experiences. So if you are in a place, like now I've gotten to the place where I'm like, I can be around things and there's no desire there really anymore. However, when I first got sober, like the first year, there's no way you would have come out of behind in a situation where in that context, like if someone's smoking and I want to smoke, but not I want to smoke, I quit smoking, but still want to smoke kind of thing, then I'm, I'm going to remove myself from that setting, because it's not conducive to what I'm trying to achieve. And so I think it's just varying levels, it depends on where you are in your journey. And you have to kind of use that information and be informed for yourself and make the decision, as opposed to relying solely on resilience. Because in situations like that, if you have the craving, and then the trigger hits, 
that's a deadly combination not deadly like you'll die from smoking weed but like for some people depending on the substance that could be deadly so it's really important to just know yourself and know your surroundings and be okay with walking away and and not necessarily having to justify yourself in that moment because sometimes you can talk yourself into something um explaining yourself and Mm -hmm. I've also done that before it's like oh, hey guys, like I'm going to leave. And it's like, oh, why are you leaving? Mm-hmm. And then you feel like you have to explain yourself. And then it's like you you and them talk yourself into staying. And then that's how slip-ups happen and relapses happen. So I would say like, if you know in your heart that like you don't want to smoke, then you shouldn't be around people who smoke. Mm-hmm. Because it's different. Like obviously if you're walking down the street, like I'm in New York, weed is yeah. legal. So <laughs> I smell it all the time. I get a whiff. I'm not going to walk up to a stranger though and be like, let me get a puff of that. Yeah. Like, so it's, that's different, but like going to, for example, like a smoking um, club, like they have those or a smoke shop, like yeah. don't do that. Right. Yeah. So it's just about trying to at your best, at the best possible um, moment or moments, trying to like minimize or mitigate those distractions is what I would call them. I love it. Thank you so much. This has nothing to do with sober sex, but I literally have just been wanting to <laughs> this for forever. So just thank no, you. No, ask away. That's yeah. what that's what I do. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Okay. So speaking of questions, um I actually when we first met, I think I mentioned this earlier in the episode. You have an episode on the Sober Butterfly podcast, and it's um oh I wrote it down. It's sobriety, celibacy, and staying single. So I know that you've been in a relationship. Ah sense <laughs> but I just want the audience to first of all I want the audience to go listen to that and then like come back to this but can you give kind of a recap of some of the things that you talked about in the episode because that's what really made me fall in love with your podcast and that's the episode that you um recommended that I listened to first oh I feel like that was such a while ago um okay I'm gonna try my best to succinctly give the highlights of that episode okay. so it was sobriety what was it sobriety celibacy and staying single right so Obviously, I'm sober. I think when this episode dropped, it was earlier 2023. So I was, at the time, um, single and happily single. I think there have been moments in my life when I've been single by um, circumstance, not by choice. Um, And so definitely a little bit of context. Getting sober, I also got celibate. And that was not entirely by choice. So my therapist urged me and supported my sober journey she's a big part of why I even am in this place of sobriety because she kept finding very now obvious but like these glaring signs of like I have a drinking problem right or a substance addiction issue and so she kept saying well what if you quit drinking what if you quit drinking um and what's your relationship like with alcohol was actually the question she would ask me and then I was forced to like admit oh crap I have a very unhealthy relationship with alcohol so boom quit drinking and then a big part of my drinking was engaging in high risk behaviors, which is like hooking up with people that I didn't even know like that. I'd go out, black out, um, and then hook up and wake up the next day and be like, wait, who is this sometimes? Like, be honest. Or like, if I did know who it was, it's like, why am I here? Like, ew, I, like, I dismissed this person. I'm like, what am I doing here? Um, and so like, that was a big part of it. So sex for me, um, and alcohol were closely linked and it was an unhealthy link. So then when I got sober, I had no intention of also getting celibate, but here's a great story that I will share. I don't think I shared it on the podcast. I don't think I've ever shared this on air, but I will share it here. I'm a love it to you experience because this is a sex positive 
podcast and this was not a sex positive experience but I feel like it's important to share because it's a big part of what helped me get sober um or celibate I should say I was already sober so I was probably like this is summer 2021 so my sobriety date is July 5th 2021 and so maybe like three weeks into me getting sober um I was still going out in New York the city was just kind of reopened. So I was exploring. I just moved back to New York. I was living in Mexico at the time before then. And so I was re, you know, revisiting, rehitting up my old booze. And one of these booze, I'll call him, he's even though he's a grown man, he um he's like also celibate. I'm not celibate, I'm sorry. He's also sober. Not celibate. <laughs> Definitely not celibate. <laughs> Definitely not celibate. Um he's also sober. And so I was kind of looking up to him. So he and I had some history. We'd never had sex, but we'd fooled around in the past. But he was kind of like this guy, like I won't say a name, but he's like a local celebrity in terms of New York standards. So he had a lot of pull, a lot of clout, a lot of connections. So he's the kind of like guy you would hit up if you want to go out because he'll take you out, show you a good time. But not the type of guy that you would take seriously. But at the same breath, I was bored. I was sober. I was trying to find or re-navigate the city. So I was hanging out with him more often. And I ended up at, at his house one night. And um, this is not the first time I ended up at, at his house. But long story short, I just had this moment where I was like, I discovered in therapy, okay, I'd never really had sex before sober. Um, so like, let me try it. This is a perfect safe person to try it with because A, he's also sober. And I'm the loose man for like two years, right? So like, I felt like I was in a safe situation to have sex. Um, but here's the thing, we didn't have any foreplay. So this is a great full circle moment to what we were talking about earlier. It was a situation where I was sleeping in his bed. Um, he was uploading photos, if that gives you any context into like how old this man is. Like he basically had a digital camera and he was uploading the photos to Facebook. And I had fallen asleep because it was like the situation where like we had fooled around a little bit before, but then he was like, I have to upload these photos to Facebook. And I'm like, okay. So I fell asleep. It's like 5 a.m. in the morning. And then I get the tap tap on my shoulder. Like I said, I've slept in this man's bed before, but like something just said to me, like, I don't think it was so much a conscious um, stream of thought as I'm saying it now, but like, I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to have sex with this man. By the way, can we curse on here? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Great. 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 So I'm just like, fuck it. Like my groggy 5am brain. I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to have sex with him. Whatever. Like I want to get it done. I've never had sober sex really. So let's try it. Um, so no real foreplay, maybe like a couple pecks here and there. Like, I don't even like, I didn't, I remember I didn't like kissing him going back to what I was saying before, but once again, I want to try something new. And then he penetrates me and his dick is so big Atia. Mm -hmm. when I tell you probably the biggest dick I've ever had sex with and but not in a good way wow. and especially because there was not enough foreplay I wasn't wet enough wow. so it's painful it's it, it's excruciatingly painful but I think for whatever reason I don't know maybe it's a part of me it may stem from being a little bit of a people pleaser I didn't want to speak up for myself in that moment. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to loosen up. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get wet. Like, I'm fine. So I'm just literally bearing the pain, like literally like clenched teeth, like, oh, okay, oh, okay. So I remember he was on top of me. It was like regular sex. Like, um, so he's on top of me. I'm like in agony basically, but masking my pain with like moans oh, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then he's just saying the most like demeaning 
um comments like yeah or like like this is how he's talking to me right like I swear I can't even make this up it's very embarrassing to admit this online <laughs> or on air but he's like yeah like yeah you fucking whore like yeah you like this like this is how he's talking to me but I'm just like and this is never he's never spoken to me before this is not our dynamic so it's like very like okay all right like maybe he's into dirty talk so I'm just uh-huh. kind of like okay okay I'm taking it um, and then I, I never forget, he goes down to kiss me and I'm like, okay, like maybe this will help. And then he lifts back up because he's on top of me and then he spits, I he spits in my mouth. Yeah, he spits in my mouth. Um, th- where did that come from? Like, I don't know. Like, it, it's one thing if like we're role playing or if yeah. we have an established relationship, but we don't. So now he just like has spit in my mouth. So then I'm just like, okay, gross. Um but the cherry on top like it wasn't like a long sexual experience so remember his dick is huge it's painful um he's calling me these names and now he spit in my mouth yeah and then and then the the cherry on top (laughs) this is where I just like die like I literally levitated out of my body is he reaches down so once again he's on top of me Uh he grabs my boobs and just viewers at home just so you know I am a 34 double D okay he grabs my boobs he squeezes them and he goes we're gonna get these done oh we need to he said we need to get these done emphasizing every syllable that he's grabbing my boob we need to get these done maybe are you fucking green no I'm dead ass serious I'm dead ass serious so I I was just like I literally like dissociated I was like the fuck like what is this so then after it was done I called myself I called myself an uber and I left he didn't even offer to get me an uber home and I was just like okay like it's like 6 a.m at this point I'm like all right well I'm gonna go home and then I left and that was like very traumatizing for me to be real with you and I remember that distinctly because after that, it solidified my choice. I was just like, you know what? I was having like these sexual experiences drunk with people that weren't satisfying. And then this, this was my first introduction to sober sex. And it was very, it was the worst sex I've ever had. Oh so God. it was just like this juxtaposition between both of them. Like maybe I just need to take a little break. I so I referenced that because in that episode, going back to celibacy, um, sobriety celibacy and staying single I was very content in my single dim mm, <laughs> I yeah. was just like I don't want to deal with these men um yeah. as a like I identify as a hetero woman so I was just kind of like yeah like what is out here for me like I've tried both and neither of these have worked well for me so I'm just gonna take a little break yeah. and that's and my my therapist co-signed she was like I was thinking that was probably what was best for you and so I went over a year of not having sex Oh my God. It, I have so many things to say. First of all, I'm so, so proud of you and your healing journey. Thank you so much for being so transparent and just know this is your safe space. So thank, thank you. So you. Much, of course, for sharing that. I, I was literally, uh, I had an interview yesterday um, with the gross demon, Alex Monroe, and um, they do porn. And it was like a really, a really like healthy conversation. And they, we were talking about like when someone has like sexual trauma or yeah, like are traumatized by a sexual experience, what's the best thing to like say to somebody? So the whole time I want to say to you, like, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. But another part of me just like wants to like, be like, fuck him. Like, I don't know. I have so many, you know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck? But I'm just so sorry that that was your experience. Like, and then for that to be your first freaking sober sex experience, you know? And I remember you mentioning, I think on the podcast that your first sober sex experience wasn't 
um it wasn't it it wasn't oh, it. No. the the funny part the funny and now in hindsight is so I saw then I went on this like trip for a long time and I didn't I obviously didn't go around him but then I had a moment of I'll call it weakness because I had a friend in town and it was like oh I want to you know let's have fun because this guy has all the connects or whatever and um so I saw him and he was just he had hit me up in the interim and I ignored him and I thought it would be super obvious now I see it as childish like I should have communicated but um at the time I was just like whatever I'm done with you like I'm not talking to you and he reached out several times but when I saw him again months later in person he was so confused and so I thought I had to be like hey like this is what happened like I like basically told him the same story I told you and how it made me feel and he he turned around and was like but that's a compliment because he has money so he legitimately was like I was serious like I was gonna get your boobs done did you ask yeah. for that like no one I, asked for that I didn't ask for that I did not ask for that if anything I'm like just give me the money like <laughs> I, I don't need you to like get my boobs up I never asked for that I never once indicated that I had an issue with my breast but it had me feeling very insecure for a while after that and my boobs are natural they're big and so you know when I lay down they don't they're not up here so I was just like the whole time like oh my god do I need a boob job like this is I was walking around and I was just like no like it's gravity I'm sorry if you don't like that or if you want me to have just body dysmorphia and have like f's like I have a double d like what more do you want like I don't understand and then yeah men told, like I love natural bodies I love natural I love natural hair and then it's like why are you doing the opposite then oh my good first of all spit um like dirty talk <laughs> the way like because dirty talk is like oh yeah baby like I'm about to make you come or like whatever whatever the fuck that is like it's been a while so I don't really know how to do it right but like fuck like whore like you ha- we have to talk about this before we go into that because they're just thank you you know and people very much so assume that what one person likes, every woman likes. And it's 2023, like we should know by now, everybody is different and everybody requires something different. And, and those two things spitting and being called a whore. And then, and then the boob thing was just a cherry on top. Like that was just when you think it can't get worse. Well, he definitely dates, and this is not to um, diminish or to like, talk badly about anyone or their profession but I know he likes a certain type of woman and that's why I never really took him seriously before because he would say things like oh you're like wife material but like yet he would be constantly with strippers and with other types of maybe like sex workers not Mm -hmm. to say a stripper is a sex worker different things but like these are the types of women I think he was accustomed to and so like legitimately I think he truly believed that he was doing me a favor because maybe he's accustomed to women asking for these things and yeah but like we never had that conversation we never had that type of relationship so I don't know why he thought that especially because he categorized me as oh being in a league of my own right so then why are you treating me like I'm regular they do that I swear I have this conspiracy theory that they want to take like every above average like multifaceted like amazing woman and like narrow her shit down to like I don't even like dwindle just just take your light whatever the fuck it or just like make you common or normal and like you can't do that like it doesn't it can't happen but like they try it's very interesting it is very interesting yeah so yeah girl that was my experience oh my god and it's also crazy because you had the thought in your head of like fuck it like we're about to have sex and ironically that was the thought that pushed me into my sobriety not sobriety, sorry, my celibacy. Now I'm mixing the words. Mm-hmm. Not- <laughs> They're close. They're close. <laughs> so I wanted to, oh, that's what I was going to say about like the concept of fuck it. 
like if that's what kind of jump-started my celibacy journey as well but like similar situation but but different at the same time so for instance the guy that I ended up having sex with I was like super inebriated I was not sober at this time like at all Mm -hmm. and I think I've only really had sober sex once with like the friends of benefits that I talked about in episode three and then maybe maybe a couple of times with like my lesbian poly partner but like that was we would smoke so I can't really differentiate like if there were ever times we were really like really sober yeah Um, so but I remember like I was really intoxicated and he was the one that was pushing like drinking the wine like we were smoking weed and all this stuff but he didn't buy me food when we got back to the house which I thought was like really weird like I was saying like I was starving and then I just felt like you just wanted me to be like super lit and I remember like we had um and I haven't even talked shared this story officially yet but we had um been making out and like the kisses were so like just grotesque and I feel the same way like if you can't kiss like it's just a dub from the beginning but it's that people pleasing that like there's there's also like four things right there's like fight flight fight and fawn I think or maybe no freeze and yeah I heard fight flight and freeze what's the other one fawn oh yeah I just learned about it and it's like like basically being a people pleaser like just trying to yes. keep the situation like at bay or whatever they makes it yep so I had like a I remember I said like no I didn't want to have sex and then he was like well I'm like naked for no reason I started like going off and then like it was just awkward and like weird in the room for a while um and then eventually like I had that voice in my head that was just like fuck it like just fuck it and then I then had like a horrible experience I ended up fall I falling asleep which I, I'll, I'm putting quotes because I don't know, like there's a thin line between like falling asleep and being unconscious. And it's like, what, what like happened? And like, why don't I remember like anything else that happened the rest of that night? Yep. So, yeah. And then the, one of the other reasons why I ended up like one of the fuck it reasons was that I thought that I wasn't going to have sex again for a long time. Cause it had been so long since I had sex prior. Tell me why the guy that I've had a crush on since like the seventh grade ended up coming to Atlanta a week after that and then like ended up meeting him in his hotel we had like amazing sex and I was like first of all I'm wowing second of all like something's gotta give because like the fuck it moment it spiraled into some other trauma later on in my life so it's just yeah like how situations are so parallel I'm sure so many people can also relate to your story um but I'm just so sad that this was like your first sober experience but then you said that you've had better after oh Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so I'm actually super grateful for the experience because mm-hmm. I think I needed to take a break. I think I need to take a step back from having sex because I think I was having sex, as mentioned before, to force connections that had no business maybe being. Um, I think I was I wasn't having sex for pleasure. I wasn't having sex for me. Yeah. I was having sex to appease someone else or to feel wanted and I think like you know if if you're gonna have a whole phase have a whole phase like I think my whole phase I had like this is in Mexico in the pandemic when I moved there like I didn't know people so I was drinking a lot going out a lot like the group of people I'd met befriended or befriended me taking me into their friend group um were very like elitist 
Mexican socialites, basically. So it was a lot of like, it felt like I was in a movie. It was just like a lot of like, oh, party, party, hard, hard. Like, oh, this guy likes you because like I'm exotic. I'm like different. There's yeah. a, lot, a lot of black girls, especially in the pandemic in Mexico City. So I felt like very desired, but I wasn't having sex because I wanted to like get off or like, you know, have a good time even. It was just like, I fell into bed. Like literally I was like, I fell into someone's bed. Oh no, like where am I? So like that is for me, like, that was problematic for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I wish I would have, no, actually don't wish I would have done anything differently. Like, yeah. I'm glad I walked away from that situation unscathed with hazy memories, but like lessons nonetheless. Absolutely. And then with this situation with the guy, the first sober sex I had, like, I wouldn't do anything differently. Wow. It's just so funny. Like that was, you know, not that, that long ago, but me today would, ne would never have tolerated that. First of yeah. all, if we could rewind back to like <laughs> how I would do things today um from this standpoint like first of all sir you're not tapping me on my shoulder and waking me up to have yeah. sex especially if we've never had sex before like that's not gonna happen let's yeah. start there um like I'm sleeping it's 5 a.m like you should have taken me up in my offer because basically we were like having like a little bit of foreplay before he needed to upload those photos so it's like dude you missed your window so sorry yeah. um I'm sleeping now so like that there's that Secondly, it's like, okay, fine. Like if I was somehow still interested after I fa had fallen asleep and you tap me on my shoulder and I wake up and I'm like, fuck it, let's have sex. We need to foreplay. Like you're not going to jam your humongous 12 inch dick inside of me. Uh, like that's not going to happen. Uh, I don't know if it was actually 12 inches, but I, I'm, I'm so serious. Forearm, like just huge. Uh, that's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. I was not, there was no foreplay. There was just no foreplay. Like, I was not ready for that. So, like, there's that. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I would have stopped him, you know, as soon as he called me out of my name. Yeah. Um, who are you? who are you talking to like what when did we establish this like I'm literally confused I'm gonna be like wait what like I would have I would have there were so many instances where I wish I would have just been like okay this is not working for me let's reset because yeah. it doesn't necessarily I think that's the thing like I beforehand the people pleaser in me wanting to like everything to just go perfectly and like be what they wanted and not what I needed like that I'm sure he, that wasn't even good sex for him like I never asked him but like how could that be good for you? Because I think like when you have sex with someone energetically, you're connecting. So like if my energy is off, I'm literally grimacing. <laughs> like I'm literally like in pain. Like you can't tell me this man didn't know something was off with me. So I wish I would have reset because not everything has to be perfect, especially the first time you're having sex with someone. And I'm recognizing that now, like communication is integral even when you're having sex, especially when you're having sex. So yeah. I wish I would have been like, hey, like we need to pivot. Like this is not working for me. Yeah. Like let's let's try something different. Yeah. Wow. Like um, And I'm not even gonna get to the boob stuff because like that's just inappropriate. Like I should have been like, okay, we're done <laughs> at that at, point. Like at, you're not at that point you're my boobs done. Sorry. <laughs> no, and then no the best part is the pronoun we right <laughs> we need to get he didn't say you he didn't say i'm gonna do this he said we like this was like a like a, a common um process for both of us like that we're both gonna undergo this surgery um what yeah and he's talking to you like you're a child like that's how you talk to yes him. yes yeah like oh he's done like that's how it felt yeah like this is like re like you literally like you said read the room like that's it just read i wonder as much as women talk about dissociating, 
do men just like leave their bodies when they have sex? Like, what the fuck is it when you're not aware or like, or even if someone does vocalize, like this hurts and they're like, oh, just take it. What is that? Like, what is the, yeah. what is the key? I don't know. I'll never understand. But I think it's so beautiful to hear that you took that situation and literally turned it into a positive. Like, and you were able oh, yeah. to on it and not blame yourself and just like be able to observe what would happen in the future if said situation was to happen again. I think that that's- Because it would never happen again. It, it would never happen again. <laughs> like Period. that's that's what I know now. But I'm, like I said, happy that I learned that about myself and learned a true lesson. Yes. And nobody talks about the importance of the pause when it comes to the celibacy. Like as much as I didn't necessarily choose my celibacy journey, like immediately, like I said, like I said that that traumatic situation jump started it, but it didn't because then I had sex a week after that. And then I was still trying to have sex with people after that, but they were just not trying to get tested. So that was the ultimate straw on the cat's back of like, fuck this. I'm actually happier. Like, Without the sex, I needed to recalibrate some stuff within myself first. So I totally understand. But what do you think the most like liberating part of your celibacy journey was? The, the most, that's a great question. The most liberating part of my celibacy journey. I think rediscovering parts of myself that I had lost or forgotten was probably the most liberating part. Um, so there's different segments of my celibacy journey. So after the experience, with the coaching from my therapist, I just decided to take a break, a hard, a hard, hard, hard pause from dating. So I was celibate. I was not going on dates. I wasn't interested in dating. I was rediscovering myself. Yeah, like f- finding and learning and rediscovering hobbies, like just really reconnecting with friends and like not focused on men. And that was probably the first time in my life that I can honestly say since probably the age of like 13 that I wasn't no even younger like 11 obsessing about a guy like and we can talk a little bit about limerence um in a moment if you want because if for those who don't know about limerence maybe this will open your eyes but like I've always been fantasizing I always like to joke like I was either actually in a relationship or in a fake relationship in my head with someone so it was just nice to take a hard hard pause from all of that um so something else that may be worth mentioning here is so um yeah in the pandemic in mexico came back to new york that's when i was kind of like okay what's this let me let me scope the scene like who's still out here um and that's when i hooked up with that guy but there was someone in my mind that i was obsessing over just like an unhealthy obsession for over a year and I, I like to blame the pandemic because I was like, oh, like it was a pandemic, like everything was shut down. So what else was I supposed to do? But even when I was in Mexico, like having my little hope phase, uh-huh. I was still thinking about this man, this one particular guy that I just could not shake. Mm-hmm. And so that was unhealthy for me. And so when I decided to do, get celibate and not date, I still was kind of thinking about him if I'm being completely transparent, but it was getting better. So it was like, I wasn't filling in the gaps because I think my my um my default mode was obsessing over this guy in my head who basically didn't want to be with me um and then filling in that void with bodies or with dates or with men um and so I was forced to kind of reconcile and deal with that rejection I'll call it um which is not a good feeling I was forced to deal with that rejection and not distract myself with other people. 
So that was the phase one, I guess, of my celibacy journey. And that was probably like a good six months of just like not dating anyone, going to therapy, doing the inner work um, and dealing with the fact that like, oh, this person that I thought I loved, I say thought I loved because I actually don't think I loved him. I think my ego was a big part of it was my ego at play, but um, I was like, whatever, hurt by this person. And I was still thinking about him, but I wasn't distracting myself and just trying to fill the time with other people. So that was helpful. And then um, I think phase two was, okay, finally I had come to terms with the fact that like this person didn't want me and that's okay. It doesn't mean that it undermines who I am. It doesn't mean that I'm worthless. Um, It doesn't mean that my value is shot. It's just that he's not a fit for me Um, and that's okay. So like, this is literally like the things I would tell myself, right? Um, And then I was like, okay, I'm actually worthy of love and I'm giving myself the love that I seek. That's one of my favorite quotes. It's like, give yourself the love that you seek. Like so many of us talk about wanting to be in love and it's like, but do you love yourself? Like, so it was a big process for me. It was like, okay, like you crave this love, but then give that love back to yourself or give it to people that you love, that you know, love you in return. It's just like we diminish our other relationships because it's not romantic love, but I have so many platonic relationships where people I know love and value me. So it was a lot more of like doing that work. Um, And then like, so like phase two was really like, okay, girl, not that you're healed, but (laughs) you are in a better place. And it's so funny because I remember my therapist literally was like, okay, I think you're able to date again. Like she had me on a hard pause. Like anytime I entertain this idea of like, but what if I just, (laughs) she's like, no, mm -mm, mm -mm, I don't think you're ready. Like I love her. She's so real. So it was nice to have that sounding board, but like anyone can do that. You don't need a therapist to tell you whether or not you're ready. Like you can ask yourself hard truth questions to know if you're ready or not. So it was like, me trying to rush, rush the process, but also trusting the process and knowing that like, it wasn't going to be forever. It was just like, I needed to take a little bit of a break. Yeah. So then phase two was like, okay, I'm, I'm back out here. Um, and then I started dating. I think you met me in phase two okay. of my celibate journey. So it was like, I was happy single. I was happy-ish celibate because I was still really horny, but whatever. Like, I was like, okay, I'm just going to like love myself quite literally through masturbation, through yep. all the things, right? Um, and so you met me around that time, but like, I was opening the doors again to like entertaining dating. Um, so my goal versus my reality. So here's my goal. My goal was I wanted to date casually because that's not something I've been able to achieve once again, due to my limerence. It's really hard for me to date multiple people at once and live like the sex in the city lifestyle like that was like always my thing I was just like oh I want to like go on dates and but <laughs> what my problem is I either don't like the guy and so therefore I don't want to see them again um or I fall really hard and even if I'm dating other people air quoting dating other people I'm obsessing over this one person and fixated yeah. on why and when they're going to text me back and why they haven't texted me back and all the things right so I was like, I just want to casually date. Like I've never successfully been able to really, really, truly do that. So I was entertaining that um, and doing a somewhat decent job. And then I met my now current ex, if that makes sense. I don't know if this is a good pause place because I'm sure like I said a lot there. So yeah, I met met my boyfriend. So I didn't really get my ex-boyfriend now, recent ex. I didn't really get to explore as much as I wanted to what it was like to date. So I'm back there. So like celibate, long story short, like phase two of my celibacy was like, I'm going to start dating other people, just dating, not fucking, just literally going on dates. And like, right. because so much of my 
so much of my emotion and my heart gets tied into sex, even if it's not truly my heart. Um, my therapist likes to say when she generalizes, so apologies if this is not aligned with the sex positivity here, but she says, she's old school. She says, when women open their legs, they open their heart. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that is tried and tested for me. Um, Even if I don't like a guy, and this is going back to even my whole phase, right? Like wanting that distraction, wanting to connect with other guys. It was like, it was just a one eight stand, but all of a sudden I find myself like uh, liking this person. (laughs) And it's like, but you don't, but you don't like them. So like, why, why are you now all of a sudden so like keen to wanting to see them again? Like you don't actually like them. So I haven't been able to successfully distinguish the two. Okay. Um, and so long story short, phase two was like, I'm just going to date. I'm just going to date. Um, I had a couple sexual ish experiences, not full on intercourse, but like when I started going out with guys again, I, I found that I was somewhat repeating and regressing back to old patterns because I wanted them to like me but I felt like in order for them to like me they would have to have sex with me and I was getting rejected by some guys I was getting turned down once they found out I was getting turned out once they found out that I was celibate I wouldn't announce that I wouldn't lead with that and be like I'm celibate but once they figured after like two three dates oh this girl's not trying to have sex with me and then we'd have a conversation it would be like no nah, but it's not for me and it, it wasn't I wasn't celibate because I was waiting for marriage I didn't have a set like deadline um it was just like I'm I wanted to know that somebody liked me for me um as opposed to like me because they can get something from me yeah 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 I feel that the same way I have no deadline I'm just waiting for somebody to care (laughs) like you're celibate right now I'm literally currently I'm almost two years into my celibacy I'm so happy for you girl amazing thank you I see like I'm like now, so I'm recently single again. Um, and I'm like, do what I'm trying to figure out how I'm gonna navigate this because a part of me is just like, can I handle just having this is another thing. I've never really been able to just have a fuck buddy. Like it's a yeah, I've never successfully been able to have just a fuck buddy. Mm-hmm. Like either they've liked me more or I've liked them more, mainly yeah. me like them more. Um, and so I'm just like, I wonder in this position, cause I want to actually date. That's my next goal. Like I want to be able to date multiple people because I'm like, why not? Like you, yeah. like you're in a good pl- stage, I think in phase in my life where I'm like, I don't want to be or rush into a relationship immediately after I just got out of this relationship. But I also want to entertain people because I want to practice dating because yeah. I'm a part of me knows that I want to get married one day. And so I'm like, if I want to be in a committal monogamous relationship, then I want to practice what that looks like with other people and see what I'm actually like, once again, redefining that type for myself, like trying to figure out how do I know what I like? Okay. By practicing with going on dates and recognizing things that I don't like. Oh, okay. I went out with him. Don't like that. (laughs) Let me try this guy over here. Oh, now I recognize that I don't like when people do this. So it's like, I think for me, it's like, I need to practice dating. Yeah. Yes, I feel that so deeply. I'm. Do you feel like there's like a, or do you have a fear of dating and like certain like triggers that not even just when it comes to sobriety, but just in general, just being triggered as a whole, like when it comes to like being out in the dating field now? Because that's me. Like I really, I want to date kind of now only as of like three days ago. Like this is a very new <laughs> thing. Okay? So this is not, 
like because three days ago I was like I'm so content and now I'm like I mean I'm content but like I would like to just have some experiences but do you have any fears when it comes to like like you said like before you saw that there was some signs of regression so how do you think that you'd be able to like yeah I I'm not afraid of it I'm just aware of it like and I think that is progress right like old me wouldn't have necessarily recognized or deluded myself into thinking like, oh no, it's fine because I have it under control. Now, I, if I like, for example, um, go out with a guy and I'm already, I think to a certain extent, it's natural for us to, <laughs> they're like, oh, how does my, na- my name match up with his last name? Like, I can't help it. Like, that's just like by default who I am, right? But like the difference is like, I recognize it and I, I can check myself and be like, you're getting way too ahead of yourself. Like, calm down. Um, yeah. you this is the first date this is the second date like yeah. let's not go there and so I feel like the best way to like test your healing journey is to actually get some skin in the game and otherwise it's like it's like the difference between like reading about it in a book and applying it in real life it's like I know better but does it mean that I'm gonna do better I won't know until I actually get out there and practice yeah and if it's not working I'm never afraid to like pivot and say okay like all right back to the vault <laughs> back, to, <laughs> back to my layer um you're not ready but I, I do think that like it's okay to like it's okay you're still you at the end of the day that's how I see myself I'm yeah. like I'm still me it's just that like I'm me 2.0 and I know yeah. a little bit more now so I can either do better or I can keep repeating the same patterns but like I'm to answer your question, Atia, no, I'm not afraid. I'm aware. And I feel like no matter what, I'm going to be good. Like at the end of the day, like I'll be fine because I have built the systems um, within myself and like in my community to be able to like bring myself from, if I go too far into the abyss, like draw myself back in kind of thing. I love that. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so inspired. Like I literally just had a video, I think for Patreon or one of some, it's somewhere on the in the ether of the internet and I was talking about self-trust and so I feel like everything you just said amplifies your self-trust and I feel like I'm this close to being there to where I can trust myself um because I I, I'm just conversations like this have been like really showing themselves a lot in my life when it comes to just like dating and just being and being confident in who you are and like knowing that you've done the work and I think that that's the part like every therapy session I have I'm like I've done the work. Like my therapist is like, you are literally like on the, like a beautiful path and I'm becoming more and more proud of myself, but I feel like I'm so nervous for somebody to trigger some shit in me. And then even like, I've been reading old messages that I wrote to like old lovers that I experienced either limerence for, or like was in a situationship with them. And then it's like, hook it. Like I was writing eight paragraphs to people, like scrolls, the like so bad when you text them, it says read more at the bottom. But I found this one text, like my lesbian lover, and we had only known each other for 20 days. I wrote her two songs. In the first song, I confessed my love for her. And then I had to like, the note was like, but like when I said I loved you, I meant like love, like how I love my friends, not in love. I was in love with her. Like, I love that. And I believe you because we both know how long-winded we are and the, with those voice memos. <laughs> so I have, no, I have no doubts that you have sent dissertations of love to your fellow lovers and listen though that is you doing the work first of all I'm so proud of you for being able to go back and look at that because I've destroyed all evidence there's no way I'm looking back at anything I said anyone um no 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 no. but that that to me shows that you are 
um, that self-trust piece, like you have done the work, right? And if, and you can recognize it, like if you slip up again and send more, you know, paragraphs, like what's the worst? I always ask myself, okay, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Right. Are you going to die? Right. No. <laughs> no no like you're not you're gonna be fine um if anything you'll have another story yeah for, the, for your podcast <laughs> and it's gonna be okay and it's just that's feedback it's like I don't think it's personally I don't think it's good to just have everything in a container because then you don't have the practice to know if you are actually progressing yes a thousand percent and that's just like my therapist told me as well even for just family matters like there was a trip I had to take and I was nervous about it and she's like but you can like test yourself and see like how far you've come and like make yourself proud and I'm like oh yeah that is an option isn't it so it goes into him with what you were saying as well I think intuitively going back to what you said like I think that's what you're describing though like a little bit or at least what I think isn't important is don't okay you said this is a recent development like three days now you're thinking maybe I can get back out there and start dating however don't push yourself like I do push yourself but in a healthy way like you have to know intuitively when the time is right and when you're stalling just for the sake of being afraid like a little bit of uncomfortability is where the growth takes place so there's that part of it but I guess my question to you is like what systems do you have put in place because you're not operating from the same you know perspective or, or station that you were at before when you were doing things like that so like if instead of hopefully right the intervention would be before you even feel compelled to tell someone confess your love your deep profound love like what's something else you could do right like either you journal it or you send it to someone else and then get their feedback or you read it back a day later and you're like okay hold on (laughs) don't send that yes I love that if you saw my face change it's because you started glitching for just a second and I thought it was like the perfect part but I heard the part about writing it out in like a diary or something and not sending it just reflecting on it yes yes I was just saying I think it's important like to always give yourself some time and some distance before like, because personally I'm very impulsive and I confuse my impulsivity for passion and that's not the same thing. Mm. And so instead I'm like, time always like gives you a little bit more perspective so even if it's like when I feel compelled in the moment to say something and this is for any aspect of my life because I'm very much just like this is how I feel like (laughs) I'm like no but like now in most practices of my life I'm like okay let me if 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 I even get that inkling that maybe I shouldn't say that or maybe I shouldn't send that like I will either write it down and the catharsis is like getting it out to someone else because I need feedback because it's not just like I would also maybe send it to a trusted person and then they can let me know like how it comes across because I know how I I want it to mean or how I want it to come across but like intent is not the same thing as impact so like getting someone else's eyeballs sometimes can be helpful as well yes no I a thousand percent agree a thousand percent and even after they give it give you their um consensus or tell you whatever their answer might be to give that space to in time because I remember I took my and I ended up realizing she was a hater so I had to like reevaluate my yeah life. yeah <laughs> what do you think yeah it has to be the right person it has to yeah. be a trusted person um yeah. yeah not everyone that's another thing not you can't listen to everyone's advice but for the most part I think deep down if you have to question it that's because there's something in you that makes you feel like okay maybe maybe I shouldn't be saying this <laughs> I do have one more question in regards to just like sobriety and like relationships um but this is amazing. So thank you so much. And please like go like this. 
if like you remember your thought from before okay oh okay i thought you just meant do this so yeah okay like just yes. guess. <laughs> okay i wanted to ask you have you seen a healthy sober relationship and e even if whether it was your relationship or anyone else's and like what did that look like what did it feel like a healthy sober relationship to be real with you i don't know too many i know a lot of sober people but i don't know many sober people in a relationship together okay. um i can cite some positive aspects of my relationship when i was with a sober person that might be helpful um especially for anyone who is thinking about or i could even do better i would say like i could cite the inverse of that which is being in a relationship um pretty much the entire time versus being in a relationship that was sober and like some of the key differences because I, I recognize that not everyone's in sober relationships or even sober themselves but I think like maybe hearing me share some of the aspects of what my relationships looked like before I got sober dating other people who were, had similar drinking patterns as me um or substance abuse patterns as me patterns as me may be helpful is it okay if I do that absolutely um so you were asking about sober relationships right yeah. okay so I was just I was basically going to parallel like former relationships that were with people who also drank similarly to me versus like my sober relationship relationship um obviously I am recently single so that relationship did not last but there were many aspects of it that made such a difference so with the, my non-sober relationships in the past like I think we married each other's drinking patterns a lot and I actually felt like we, oh are there fireworks in the, my background <laughs> really fireworks what what <laughs> how did that happen that is so weird I've never seen that happen that is so freaking weird at this point, Mercury's just doing random, like that's, I've been on Zoom several times. That's never happened in my life. I, I, is it because I did this? <laughs> okay, I, I don't know. So sorry, guys. Wow. Um, okay, so that was so random. Um, so I would definitely say like in the past, my my drinking patterns mirrored other people's drinking patterns. And so I remember my other ex before this last relationship, um, he and I, well, I drank more than him and he made that clear when we broke up. But at one point he said to me, and this is relatively early in the relationship. He was like, I feel like every day we're drinking together and that's not healthy. And that was really the first time anyone had said to me um, that they thought that drinking together was unhealthy because in the past, as cited, I think I used drinking as a way to connect to people. And I just remember he and I thought we had so much fun together because we'd always be drinking together. And so it was just good, like, intel for me at that time to hear someone say, like, I actually want to get to know the real you and not the drunk you. Because mm -hmm. it was literally a pattern where it was like, every day I we live together, but I go to work, um, I come home on my way home I pick up like two to three bottles of wine and I would drink at least one bottle of wine and he would have some too or we would make cocktails together we were really into mixology but like we practically we would pass out every night and I thought that was like amazing I thought it was like oh my god we have so much fun together but we were like pretty much blocking out on a nightly basis wow. as opposed to if I'm going to compare that to like my daily routine with my now recent ex, but also sober, it was like our relationship looked a lot healthier in the sense that we 
actually did like experiences together. So like we would cook together uh, or we would like, even like if it's just watching TV, it just forced us to like have more profound conversation and like more discourse around like, how was your day? And like, before I would have conversations with my partners about like how their day was, but I was like waiting. I remember literally I'd be waiting to drink. I'd be waiting to like pour up again, or I'd be listening, but half listening because really and truly I'm thinking about my own thing because now I'm, I'm teleported. I felt like I was being teleported out of my body because I was drinking. So I think, and smoking with that relationship. So I just think in general, like I don't know too, too many sober people, but in overall, my experience with my ex who was also sober, it was also like having a sounding board and someone who can relate a little bit more to your experience. And going back to the sex piece, you asked me about sex earlier. Mm -hmm. And like, I genuinely believe that the first time I had sex with him, like sex can be awkward, especially when you're getting to know someone's body. But for the first sexual encounter I had with him, it was amazing. It was just like, I knew I was ready. I knew I wasn't being coerced into it. I knew I, this person could satisfy me in a way that maybe I hadn't felt comfortable or confident in my previous partners. And it's not without its own problems because otherwise we'd probably still be together. But I think also just like in terms of how the relationship ended, it was very amicable okay. and we were both very mature about it. Okay. Um, and I feel like a big part of that is because we are sober. So like it, in previous relationships, when, whether I've been the dumper or dumpy, I've always used that as a, as an excuse to drink right like it's almost like I wanted to go off the deep end and now I had a legitimate excuse to do so because oh like my relationship's over so like the world can crumble like I'm just gonna drink my woes away and there is something like romantic about that I think Atia as well like you were asking about triggers and stuff sometimes I think the biggest trigger for me is not even seeing other people drink I think it's the romantic the romanticizing of drinking it's what drinking represents in society and pop culture not the actual uh, like reality of drinking like when we watch tv or movies i i like those archetypes of like oh i'm a single woman with my bottle of wine and what was <laughs> me and like oh i'm gonna play some like i don't know cue you know waiting to exhale soundtrack because I, I like you know it just feels like grown and sexy and like even the heartbreak is a part of that the drama I live for the drama for the drama right and so like I don't do that now like any relationship and I've had situationships even end being sober in my celibate phase like phase three was basically dating and um getting rejected but sober before I met my then ex um and it was it was fine it was like yeah it was dramatic I was sad but like I got over it a lot quicker and I was ready to like move on and I was that's what I was gonna ask you it's a tear earlier so my question to you when you were saying like when you would send these paragraphs to people professing your love or whatever I would do the same thing and I don't want to parallel our experiences entirely but I'm wondering for you were you under the influence of something when you were doing that? Because oh. I always was. And now <laughs> I don't do that because I'm like, I'm not drinking. <laughs> I just, or I'm wow. under all things. So it's like, I'm not going to get in my, get in my feelings in the same way. Yeah, no, absolutely. There were, when I would go to the timestamp nine times out of 10, it was written like two o'clock in the morning. And I was probably some sort of inebriated, whether it was I was high or I was lit off something. 
um, or drinking. Um, but then there were some that like I woke up on one and I would write it like in the morning or at least it would say it was in the morning. But I still, from what I remember, I used to look forward to like going out, going to the club, going to the lounge, getting lit so I can come home and write my shit out. Like it was just, that was, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. <laughs> the drama. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, 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 there was something, there was something kind of, there's a mystique to it. And it's like, oh, like I'm a tortured soul. And like, you know, like now I have this, um, this excuse almost to like be this tortured soul. Whereas now it's like, okay, girl, like you got to face back. Like sobriety is in itself, like the word sobriety is, it's sobering. It's like, okay, this is who I am. And this is the situation I see things a lot more clearly and plainly. And so, yes, like, so my sober relationships are better. Um, I've only had one real sober relationship or like going back to like sober couples. Like, I think ideally I would love to be with someone else who is sober. Yeah. Um, they don't have to be. That's what I said earlier. Earlier, And I mean that they do not yeah. have to be sober, but it is helpful to be with someone who understands that like, you don't necessarily need a substance to have fun you don't need a substance to have sex you don't need a substance to connect um some people can responsibly response responsible i said it right the first time i don't know why i'm repeating myself responsibly consume or you know consume a substance i'm not one of those people mm-hmm. i recognize that it's a part of getting sober you don't delude yourself as much wow. and so i choose to abstain for that kind of stuff but i would be open to dating someone who could can responsibly partake yes. it's just like that's not what it looks like for me yeah. yeah heavy on the responsibly and like yeah absolutely and even what you said earlier about the vibrations like I'm just now when I like when I have my experiences with the substance I'm just going to think like what is my intention like what's my vibration when I start and like when I finish you know what I'm saying I think that you just help me become more aware of my experiences whether I'm intoxicated or sober like yeah yeah I'm, I'm yeah yeah very it's beautiful here's a homework assignment for you and anyone listening like I encourage you it's actually very fascinating and entertaining (laughs) and it's not coming from a critical judgmental standpoint like I know people think that when I show up to a party like I'm sober and I'm judging I'm not I'm amusing myself because I encourage anyone to go to a party sober not drink not smoke not do anything and watch everyone else get lit around you it is the most interesting social experiment. It's just like, because you see it, you can almost like, just almost like predict yeah. what's going to happen next. And yeah. it's it's so interesting because you, people get sloppier, of course, they think they're super funny. And myself, even when there's been moments when I've gone out drinking and somehow like my phone has accidentally recorded myself or a conversation. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Yeah. I can't even listen to it. I'm so embarrassed because it's like, I think I'm, I'm on, I think I'm so engaging and whatever alluring. And I, I hear myself just like word vomit all over someone else. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I used to do that a lot. Cause I used to go to like um, a lot of comedy clubs here in New York. Okay. And I would think I, I, I'm talking to comics, like professional comedians. And I would think that I was like one upping them. Like I, I would, I would be like, oh, I have some material for you girl Whew. I'm, I'm just I have second degree embarrassment from the past but I say all that to say try it one day and if yes. you do know how that goes for you 
Yes, I definitely will. And you know, I love homework. As a, as a therapy girly, I definitely love some good homework. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> and we are at the end of our interview. I have so many more things that I want to talk to you about. So this will not be the last time that y'all hear from Nadine. Like this was absolutely amazing. I want you to plug all of your socials. Please let everybody also know what podcast episode of the Sober Butterfly podcast you think that they should start out with. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and just let them know where they can find you. Yeah, so I can be found anywhere that you type in at the, usually it's at the period Sober Butterfly. Um, that's my Instagram handle. That's my TikTok handle. That's my YouTube. Uh, YouTube, actually, I think it's just the Sober Butterfly. Um, you can also go to my website, thesoberbutterfly.com. I have a podcast where every, where podcasts are available anywhere you can listen to me. And I would say, like, start from the beginning. I, I have a proud library, I guess. Like, you can look through my archives and they're pretty clearly labeled but I would say start from the beginning because you can kind of see like the evolution of myself I started my podcast when I was about a year sober and so you know fast forward a year and change I'm in a different place a different headspace and I would say like whether you're sober curious want to practice more mindful drinking or you're sober yourself you can kind of set your own pathway, pick your own adventure kind of thing. Um, I am excited to say though, I'm relaunching season three of my podcast. Thank you. Um, So everyone can look forward to that early January, 2024. I think that's perfect for dry January, for new year's resolutions. And I have something for everyone. You do not have to be sober or even sober curious to listen to my content. I do love to feature a lot of black women, um, women of color who want to share their story of just like resilience and overcoming something difficult because I feel like, you know, it's it's hard. It's sometimes hard to just be in the skin and in the space, but like we definitely need more representation and visibility around topics such as substance abuse. I don't just talk about alcohol. I just talk about like living your best life. And for me, my best life is without drinking. So yeah. Yes, I love that so much. Oh my gosh, sober curious. I have to add that. Like, I want to look it up to see if I fit in that because I feel like that's what I'm. I I feel like I can possibly relate. Based on what you shared before, I feel like you are sober curious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Thank you for that. We're going to talk about that the next time I have you on here. So I'll write that in my notes. <laughs> but thank I you. Appreciate. It. Of course, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming. This was so beautiful. This is a long time coming. I'm so, so happy to have you here. And I always do my sign off. So we have to give ourselves a hug. And then don't forget to be kind to yourself. Be kind to animals. Thank you so much. And I just love you in general. Just know. (laughs) So thank you so, so much again for being on here. I love you too. Oh, actually, Gen Z is doing something different. I I don't know how they do that part. I can't. it's difficult. Okay. It's some, it's not even that. Yeah. You're doing it more than me. I'm like throwing up a game. I'm a millennial girly. I can't help it. Anyway, I love you too, Atiyah. Thank you so much for having me on and keep spreading your love and positivity with the world. Thank you so much. I will. Thank you. Seeing you. <laughs> Bye y'all. Bye.